Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the Johncast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Super Bowl is Sunday, and for every person looking forward to watching the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams play, there's probably somebody that is just as excited, if not more so, to check out the Super Bowl commercials. We wanted to talk about those ads. Are they worth the hefty price tag? What does a company need to do to have a Super Bowl commercial that resonates? For this discussion, we caught up with Joe Glennon. He is an associate professor of instruction and chair of the Department of Advertising and Public Relations. At Temple University's Lou Klein College of Media and Communication. This is really interesting. Check it out. So to start, how much does a 30-second ad cost this year? Do we have an approximate idea of how much companies are shelling out for a Super Bowl ad? Yeah, it's in the north end of six million for 30 seconds. I've seen anything from uh, you know six to seven, and uh, it's so it's floating somewhere in there. And for the longest time, a Super Bowl ad was kind of looked at as the top of the mountain when it came to getting your message out at north of six million in a world that has kind of fragmented when it comes to where people get their information and their viewing and such. Is it still money well spent? The the ROI on Super Bowl ads has always been debated and and you can't measure it in traditional ways because the the impact of it can be so great. Here's a piece of advertising. It's going to reach 80, 90, 100 million people in an instant. Um, and when you have that immediacy and that impact, it, it's hard to use traditional metrics. So I, I always think it's worth it because there's no better punch for an advertiser. Have we have you noticed our companies still clamoring for the spots like they were 10, even five years ago? Uh, is it a smaller group of companies that are that are fighting for it or are, are they still in demand? Oh, they're still in demand. There's there's rarely any ad inventory that's left over. You know, this year sold out, last year sold out, even given the uncertainty of, of you know, what kind of a message can you have during a pandemic? So the, the demand is always there, right? Supply and demand is classic economics. You don't get to 7 million for 30 seconds without great demand. I feel like in our society now, you know, when you think of social media and you think of digital advert, there's so many tentacles in so many different ways. Is it just the commercial or is it kind of everything that you can connect to the commercial? Yeah. A smart advertiser these days doesn't think about a single piece of advertising. Uh, The metaphor we like to use it. It's about, it's like a, the, the fluffy head of a dandelion, right? And, and you just give a quick blow and those pieces travel out into the fragmented media universe. But at the end of the day, there's still that brand DNA that's attached there. So yeah, you may have Tide who comes up with a great uh, story in, uh, over the past couple of years with, you know, this is a Tide ad where they kind of changed and played with the format. Well, that also had different touch points, online, social, uh, even in the, the old-fashioned coupons that float around in the Sunday newspaper. What are the, and you talk about having diff, all the different ways of, of utilizing this and, and tying to it. What are the keys, if you're going to do this right, if you're going to put out the money as a, as a corporation, as a business, what are the, the boxes you need to check to make sure you're getting as much bang for your buck as you can? 
Well, the first thing you have to realize is the context that your spot is going to appear in. You know, there's, there's, there's parties, there's noises, people actually want to watch the game. So what you do has to have some sort of dramatic impact. Now, that impact can come from noise. You can get a, a couple A-list talent like Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Um, or, you know, you can sort of zig when everyone else is zagging and you can go on the quiet side. You know, if you think back to the the, the Paul Harvey uh, farmer spot from maybe six or eight years ago now, um, that was just really quiet. The important thing is you have to capture that moment. You have to understand it, the audience and put something in front of them that's going to resonate. Again, sometimes it's noise. Sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's insight. Um, but but that's it. You have to break through all the other things that's going on in that same moment. You've dropped a couple of, of names of spots and such. Uh, what are, if you had to kind of put together a, a top list of the most effective Super Bowl ads we have seen in recent memory, what would you put at the top? Oh, good. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the ones that always comes to mind is the Betty White Snickers commercial, uh, because, you know, not only was that, um, a great platform for Betty and and the beloved Abe Fagoda as well. Uh, it, it did a great job. It connected. It kicked off a campaign that lasts that's still ongoing. That you're not you and your hungry campaign. So that's one that always comes to mind for me. Um, another one that always comes to mind for me is, is sort of the it's a pair of them. It's it's Clint Eastwood and the halftime for America paired with uh, the Eminem and Porter from Detroit, both for Chrysler. Uh, those are great examples of ones that took that quiet route, but they were just so well-written, so beautifully executed that it's hard to take your eyes off them. And, you know, another one that always comes to mind is uh, the Old Spice guy when we met him for the first time. And and what I love about that and what I love to share with students about that is that grew from a smart piece of strategy where Old Spice realized uh, it's really the women who were buying the body wash. So why don't we talk to them? So, you know, yes, it's this fantastic thing full of all sorts of digital effects, but at the heart of it was a smart strategy. And I think that's what gave it that resonance that still clings to us today. At the other end of the spectrum, are there any ads slash corporations that completely missed the mark? Every year there's always, you know, well, there's about, you know, 50 or 60 spots during a typical Super Bowl. We talk about five or six of them uh, on Tuesday morning. So uh, the odds are really stacked against an advertiser from being successful. You know, uh, it, it, sometimes it comes down to just a question of taste. Um, in terms of impact, you know, GoDaddy would always push the limits of what was acceptable for a commercial. And it would certainly get some chatter, but is it the right kind of chatter that you want? You know, I think the, at the end of the day, the worst thing you want is to be forgotten. And and really, 40 commercials will be forgotten on Tuesday morning. Yeah, to that point, like about the, the GoDaddy that you cite, is it kind of a situation where any attention is good attention? You know, even if people are lambasting what you did, talking about whether it's inappropriate, the brand is out there. And that's probably going to resonate with a certain amount of the audience, uh, no matter what direction it goes. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a calculated risk by by the the brand stewards at, at each shop. Um, you have to just weigh that. Now, uh, GoDaddy sort of living in the the online space can can break some rules. But if you're Procter and Gamble, you know, there's a real narrow lane that you have to stay in. I'm curious, has the who we see on the ads changed as far as the types of companies? Have we seen a shift from like if we if you and I sat down and watched the tape of Super Bowl twenty? Would we be amazed at what's being advertised there as opposed to what we're seeing now? Now, obviously, there was no Facebook 
there. I, I'm not talking about that, but just kind of the overall what companies are utilizing this as opposed to maybe what we saw 25, 30 years ago. I think the formula is the same. So you have uh, a collection of advertisers that are just at the scale that the Super Bowl can support and they can support the Super Bowl. So Anheuser-Busch and, and Frito-Lay and you know th- those, those big uh, car advertisers, they're always there. And at the other end of the spectrum, you're always going to have that smaller advertiser who needs the platform in order to make that big, um, that big statement. Um, one of the things that I always remember about early days of Super Bowl advertising is Master Lock used to put all their advertising budget into a single Super Bowl spot every year. And it worked great for them. It, it made them synonymous with what it meant to actually put a padlock on something. So uh, whether it's Reddit last year, who did a great uh, you know five-second gimmick type thing that put Reddit uh, onto the minds of, of, of parents and grandparents everywhere, you know, there's my mother was talking about Reddit and, and she had no experience with that before the Super Bowl. So, again, it's it's those big advertisers who can digest the the cost for the airtime plus the production cost. And then you have some smaller players that just need that platform in order to make that big splash nationwide or, or even globally. To the point about Masterlog, I didn't realize that that's probably about as much pressure as you can have. When it comes to designing an advertising campaign, you're working an entire year for one shot at the title. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, you know, inside agencies, inside creative shops, it's it's the ultimate tap on the shoulder that you get. And and the moment that you, you sort of peel yourself off the ceiling with joy, then comes the crushing pressure that comes with only the Super Bowl. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's like any other high stakes game. Uh, there are those that rise to the challenge and other those that crumble. So if you were, you talked about return on investment earlier, ROI. What are the things that companies get from, from these ads? I mean, obviously eyeballs, but how much of it is kind of setting your brand and what you want people to think about how much of it is giving them a warm feeling, whether it be humor, whether it be, you know, something moving, like what, what are the things that advertisers get from these? The the biggest thing the advertiser gets is, is the associative effect, right? So you are milling among the brands that advertise on the Super Bowl. So no matter who you are, you are instantly thrown into the same conversation as Pizza Hut and Budweiser and Pepsi and those big players. That's the biggest thing. It's like, wow, Um, you know, you could be a a smaller brand or, or an emerging brand and even an ordinary consumer doesn't obsess over advertising like like we do. Um, you know, it's going to say, "Well, hold, hold on a second. Let's pay attention to this." Um, you know, most recently, the the um, the the group that advertises for Mexican avocados, no one had really ever even thought about them or considered them before. Well, they show up on the Super Bowl three or four years ago, and all of a sudden, people are paying attention. So that's what it is. It's a, you know, it's the company you keep, and if you can keep company with Super Bowl advertisers, uh, your stock is elevated in the mind of consumers. I'm curious. Are there are there metrics that companies use like to tell if they're getting what they wanted to get, whether it's a percentage bump in visits to a website, whether it's obvious. I mean, obviously, sales is at the top of the list, but I would imagine it goes more than that. Does every company have certain metrics that help them determine if it was worth it or not? 
Oh, there's there's more measurement going on in advertising than I think anywhere else outside of uh, you know maybe the Olympics this week, and 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 advertisers will have their in-house metrics. You'll have the media companies will have their own metrics. Uh, you know, you have everything from uh, impressions online to share of voice to um, social chatter. I mean, there'll be entire teams on on Sunday just just doing social listening across the different social platforms to try to pick up every ping. You know, they're, they're almost like uh, the, the sonar operator in a 1940s uh, submarine movie. They're just watching and watching and watching. If there's one thing that's exploded along with the the digital universe for advertising, it's it's the supportive metrics. So and 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 now too with with set top boxes on top of most people's TVs at home, um, you know every media company knows exactly what's on your screen uh, at any given moment. So yeah, if if it's important, it gets measured. If it gets measured, it's important. And in advertising, everything's measured. We talked about master lock and you know working for that one spot, and I'm sure there is not a boilerplate answer for this but for the most part how long are these spots in the works is this something that there are certain parts of a pr shop or certain parts of a company that kind of year round always have an eye on what are we going to do for the super bowl or is it something that maybe around july you start to take the lay of the land what direction we want to go is there a a a relatively loose timeline that most people uh, stick to you know, from from the people I've worked that have worked on Super Bowl spots, you can estimate the timeline to about a year, you know, because considerable amount of money has to be set aside for these kind of things. Uh, you know, I've heard as far as 18 months. Uh, but then again, um, I know someone who was involved with the spot before the last Super Bowl, and it was about a month in the works. So there, there's no magic number, but it's usually uh, a long timeline. Now, you may get the creative brief uh, 12 months out. And it's one of those things that kind of gets kicked around for a while until you actually have to, you know, the, the, the deadline starts to breathe down the back of your neck. It's interesting to me. I don't know how long ago, because everything runs together, but it felt feels like 25 years ago was when around there was when people really started like the Super Bowl commercial kind of became a thing in the zeitgeist where, you know, it was something that started to be looked forward to, uh, you know, am I right on that timeline that when it started to kind of take on a, a mind and kind of a personality of, of its own, the Super Bowl commercial? Yeah, I mean, it, it has become a, a relatively recent phenomenon. When exactly that started to unfold, you know, I have to go back and take a look. But, you know, with the explosion and growth of football as a sport, I, I think the advertising has gone along uh, in, the, in the same way. You know, you think back to the Super Bowl one where they couldn't sell enough tickets and they couldn't sell the advert inventory. And I think the the sport and advertising have been on the same trajectory ever since. When you're watching the game and you're watching the ads, how are you looking at them? How are you kind of cataloging them as they, they go along? Yeah, so I, I try hard. So, you know, many of the spots will be available even before the game. And I try really hard not to look at them at all because um, it's impossible for anyone. Once you've written your first commercial, you can never see a commercial like a regular consumer anymore. You're just ruined for the rest of your life. But I try to put myself in that consumer's shoes as much as I can. And so I'll just I'll try to watch it, you know, like the people around me watching the game. And then, you know, I record it and I take crazy notes and my wife laughs at me. 
um, because I like to go back and I like to think about it a little more strategically. And then also, you know, which one of these is going to turn to a fantastic lesson for our students. And you mentioned that's another thing I wanted to, to ask you. The fact when I talk about them kind of taking on a, a world of their own, you know, some of them are released early and you can find them and, and stuff like that. I could probably argue that both ways as a yeoman, whether I would want that because you want it for viral moment, you know, to really kind of build uh, a, a lasting impression. But there's also something to be said for kind of unveiling it on the world all at the same time. If you had to choose one, which which one do you think is most effective or would it kind of depend on the spot and what you're going for? I would never release my commercial early. It, 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 it's like showing people, you know, your movie while they're waiting in line to buy the ticket. I, I, I don't understand. I can understand the rationale behind it. It's about generating that chatter ahead of time. Um, and, and if you do something surprising enough, there's enough anticipation. Maybe those first few frames pop on the screen and someone who has seen the commercial turns to someone who has and says, you have to watch this. But I just think there's no element uh, that's more powerful than the element of surprise. And to take that away, uh, I think you're doing a disservice to the product. You talk about you watch them, you record it, you catalog them. Have you ever been surprised with either one, a spot that you didn't think much of that really resonated or uh, the opposite, one that you thought really hit the mark, but just didn't seem to, to find an audience? it's hard. So much of advertising is subjective. And, you know, it's one of the things that you have to sort of wrestle with as an advertiser is, is what I like may be very different from what someone else is like. And, and you also have to worry, wonder about what was the strategy behind it. Um, I am always amazed at how much people love uh, the Budweiser Clydesdales with the dogs. Um, you know, I find the stories very predictable and, um, with the, the Clydesdales are a fantastic branding tool for them. And if you think about the, the post 9-11 spot of, of the Clydesdales overlooking Manhattan with, with the hole in, in the skyline, uh, or even a funnier version where the Clydesdales kick a field goal and, and, you know, they turn to the zebras to get the ruling, you know, actual zebras. So, you know, it, it's so hard. And again, what, what I like is, is sort of tarnished by, 25 years in advertising. So Mountain Dew and and Baby Monkey Puppy may make me insane, um, but there are other people that are delighted by it and, and good for them. So if you were advising a company that had the budget, you know, Super Bowl ad would be a no-brainer for you? Absolutely. You know, if they have the budget and, and they want to reach that that large audience, absolutely. There, there's tremendous power in having that many people hear your story all at the same time. It's one of the failings of social media is, you know, it, it works as, as, a, as a great device, but it doesn't tell me as an individual what you have seen. And that shared knowledge um, is really powerful for, for building a brand. You know, brand is, is just a, another word for reputation. And, and, you know, reputations are built by people sharing the same experiences around a given subject. So, oh, absolutely. I would, I would you know, it's, it's the classic, um, you know, if you're going to chop down a tree, if an hour to chop down a tree, you, you spend 50 minutes sharpening the ax. Well, if I had a year and $6 million to put together a Super Bowl commercial, I would spend a lot of time just 
developing that idea and making sure uh, it was as smart and sound and strong as it could be. And I'm curious, the Super Bowl is obviously the Super Bowl of advertising. Is there anything that's a close second? I can't, I don't know that there's anything that, I don't want to say unites the country, but just kind of has every, uh, the vast majority of people all looking in the same direction. You know, is there anything on this level when it comes to, to advertising? No, not at, you know, not anymore. The, the, the benchmark that was used before that was the, the series finale for MASH back in, I don't know, it was the late 70s, early 80s, you know, where, where the whole world sat down and watched something. It doesn't exist anymore. Even, the, you know, the, the, the most popular primetime broadcast shows are drawing a fraction of what they used to. Um, so, no, there, there's, there's nothing like even we used to talk about the Oscars as, as being the Super Bowl for the upper middle class. And, and that's where another place where really smart advertising used to appear. But their viewership numbers are down so far that that, that even that has lost its uh, luster. And, you know, is there anything in another venue? We talk about social media. Is there something else that's emerging? And I don't even know if it's an event, but uh, a time of year or whatever that 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 is becoming a, a player like the Super Bowl? Is there something I'm not even that maybe isn't on the layman's roster uh, radar that is really turning into to something that advertisers really focus on as a, a big return on investment? No, there's really nothing, you know, and, and it's, it's this fragmentation of, of the media landscape now. Um, there's nothing that quite holds it. Aside from advertising regularly on live sports it's really hard for an advertiser to predictably find an audience um you know just just look at the the most popular uh, entertainment that we've had in the last you know three four five years 95 percent of it is on a streaming service where you can't put anything in front of that audience so and and you know you just can't get that many people in one place at one time in order to have that impact so um you know it's not essential think about some of the more uh, potent brands these days, you know, Peloton, even with their stock woes, it's a, it's a powerful brand. They've had two commercials in, in probably their history. And, and you've got a brand like Tesla, you know, that doesn't advertise in any way, shape or form. So um, there's lots of ways to, to develop powerful brands without advertising, without television, without the Super Bowl. But in terms of having that one um, or, or, the, or that second banana to the Super Bowl, it just doesn't exist anymore. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.